morning church, please stand. Lord, we're just so grateful to be in your presence. We're so joyful for the things that you're doing. And we come expectant for you to move today. In your name we pray.
Almighty God, you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. This, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these.
request. O God, whose Son Jesus is the Good Shepherd of your people, grant that when we hear his voice, we may know him who calls us each by name and follow where he leads, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Children. All right. <laughs> Amen. Let the army of the Lord assemble. Here they are. If you would, stretch out your hands and pray with me for these great young people. Heavenly Father, we ask your special blessing over these children, your watchfulness and your care all their life, Lord God, that you would fill them with courage and wisdom and knowledge all their days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Our first reading is from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. You alone are the Lord. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth and everything on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve them all. The host of heaven worships you. You are the Lord God, who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you and made a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Parasites, the Jebusites, and the Girgashites, to give it to his descendants. You have performed your words, for you are righteous. You saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt and heard their cry by the Red Sea. You showed signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all his servants, and against all the people of his land, for you knew that they acted proudly against them. So you made a name for yourself, and it is this day, as it is this day. You divided the sea before them, so that they went through the midst of the sea on dry land, and their persecutors you threw into the deep as a stone into the mighty waters. Moreover, you led them by day with a cloudy pillar, and by night with a pillar of fire, to give them light on the road which they should travel. You came down also on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them just ordinances and true laws and good statutes and commandments. You made known to them your holy Sabbath and commanded them precepts, statutes, and laws. By your hand, by the hand of Moses, your servant, you gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought them water out of the rock for their thirst and told them to go into possess the land which you had sworn to give them. The word of the Lord. This morning's psalm is Psalm 23. We read responsibly by the asterisk. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, it is now, and it will be forever. Amen. This morning's second reading comes from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 2, beginning in verse 19. For this is commendable, if because of conscience toward God one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judged righteously, who himself bore our sins and his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The word of the Lord. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days, I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Christ, according to St. John. Glory be to thee, O Lord. St. John, chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, 
and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, Lord Christ. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in darkest night. You are close like no other. Yes, I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
So a few weeks ago, I got up here and I said that we were struggling to find a place to live and that the devil Zillow was getting us down. <laughs> the, uh, the, the price in the area was just overwhelming. And I come before you today to say that we have a place to live. Praise God. It is a miracle. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's just, it's so funny. I mean, God showed up in so many ways. I'd love to tell the story, but we're not going to go there today. But uh, I will just tell you that there's no way that Haley or I could have made it happen. Uh, even with Mackenzie's help, there was no way we could have made it happen. And God provided a way, and we have this wonderful house to live in. So, I am feeling that song this morning, the goodness of God, right? It surrounds us in the midst of all of the circumstances of our life. Well, today we have this gospel that you've probably heard a million times, right? I am the shepherd, the sheep know my voice, or that great verse that gets quoted often, John 10.10, which is uh, where we're going to go and we're going to start actually John 10:10. 10, 10. I put it backwards in the slides, but I'm sure Marin will find it. Um, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You can leave that up there while we talk for a second. Uh, there's something really fascinating going on in this verse, and we often say, "Yeah, duh, the, the devil's out to get us, but God's out for our benefit." And maybe in your mind you think there's this like uh, heroic war going on. Maybe you have pictures of the Disney Hercules movie where you have Hades and his minions and he releases the Titans and they assault Mount Olympus and Zeus is trying to hold them off and all of that story. It's like that's not the picture we're actually talking about here, believe it or not. That's not what the enemy is like. And the hint comes in this Next verse I'm going to read that actually came two verses earlier. Verse 8, it says, All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. That's a weird verse. If you are a sheep thief and you get into a pasture and the sheep aren't listening to you, what do you care? You just take them. What do you mean the sheep aren't listening to them? What is he talking about here? Well, he's saying that actually, because God, the creator of the universe, the Lord of all creation, who not only by Jesus bought you with a price, but also everything that exists is by his grace and power, that God cannot be stolen from. The only way that the sheep follow the thief and the robber is if they listen to him. So the enemy is more like a seductive whisperer who says, look over here, go this way. When God says we're going this way, the only weapon that the enemy has is to convince you that his way is actually the one that leads to abundant life. That's the only weapon. We know, and Jesus is telling us, his way leads to death and destruction. All he can do is try and convince us otherwise. If you don't fall for that lie, then you win. Right? Why is that? Because Jesus is the truth. And if you hold to the truth in Jesus Christ, by the power of his blood, nothing can stand against you. Not a single thing. And so as we talk about this, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) as we talk about this, we're thinking in this season of Easter 
of resurrection. And we have this drama play out of the crucifixion where Jesus died that we might be set free and rose, that we might live with him in resurrected life. Well, what does that look like? I mean, death has been conquered. We join with Christ in his resurrection, and he's taking us from glory to glory. Well, maybe in your mind you have this image of Chris Evans CGI'd as a very small person. Let me explain. Captain America, right? In the first movie, they had this little wimpy kid. And he's tough, you know? He's like, I can do this all day, but he's getting the tar beat out of him. And then they inject him with this super serum. And he goes through this transformative process, and he ends up coming out looking like Chris Evans, as we all know, right? He's this muscular, like, just wonderful physique, Herculean person, right? And maybe that's what you think the Christian life should look like. You accept Jesus, and then you go through this transformative process, and all of a sudden, you're Captain America, kicking Nazis in the face. Like, we get this idea, this kind of triumphant idea that, like, well, we accepted Jesus. Why am I not kicking butt? I have the victory. What went wrong? Well, let me just show you what the Bible talks about, the people who follow Jesus. Well, it calls us sheep. It's a very different image than Captain America kicking butt, right? In fact, I've got a quick video to show you why maybe the Bible uses us, uses this imagery of sheep, if you want to just look at this real quick. Sorry, there's no sound, but... (laughs) That's us! Is that not us? Jesus, the good shepherd, reaches down and pulls us out of a pit, and we go running and jump right back into the pit. We're sheep. We're not Captain America, as much as we want to be. So what does it mean then to live in the resurrected life? Because it can't just mean sheep who keep jumping back into the pit, right? That is not the goal, believe it or not. We can change. We can be transformed. While sheep are dumb, stubborn, and self-destructive, as are we all, we can actually be transformed to be like Christ, our very own Captain America. Okay, maybe not, right? I don't want to get the images mixed up here. He's a little better than Captain America. But spiritually, let me tell you, there's no one buffer than Jesus, okay? Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to lean on that. It's just, we're not going to go there. My point is, You can actually be transformed, but it's not some magic process where a super serum injects you and you come out like Hercules. You actually have to do the work of walking with your shepherd, of following your shepherd. And so today we're going to dive into the shepherd psalm, the psalm we read this morning, Psalm 23. Now I was thinking like, Should I go back to Psalm 23? I mean, everybody knows this psalm. We've heard it a million times. I've even preached on it a couple times. Should I go back to Psalm 23? But a couple weeks ago, in the midst of... Actually, I guess it was last week. Time's been a little crazy. In the midst of trying to figure out all of this process of how to get into the house, how to make the money work, how to do this, how to do that, one of my spiritual counselors said, hey, I think God wants to meet you in Psalm 23. And he's like, you should go there. And so I was like, okay, well, I, I know it. I could say it right now. So I said it. And I was like, it didn't, I didn't feel any better, right? I just recited it. But later on that night, I just was like feeling the burden of everything. And it just came to mind. And God said, hey, did you meet me in Psalm 23? And I was like, well, I said it. And he's like, no, did you meet me in it? 
And I just started praying that over my life. And I don't know if you know this, but the Psalms are unlike the other parts of Scripture. They're not there to tell you a story. They're there to be your prayer book. They're there to teach you how to commune and communicate with God. They have prophetic things in it. They have promises and prophecies. But really, the Psalms were written as a prayer book. How do you talk to God? And so I started praying that as though I were the psalmist, right? The Lord is my shepherd. And for whatever reason, I've prayed it a million times at that moment, just out of that simple act of obedience, God met me. And at that point, I said, well, I guess i got to preach it at this point, right? And so we're going to talk through some of what's going on in this psalm. First of all, we're going to start at verse 1, as one should. The Lord is my shepherd. Okay, so we see the shepherd analogy pulling out. And the first thing I'm struck with in this psalm is the humility of our God. You don't read about Baal or Mithras or the Roman God of war or any of these people saying, our God is a shepherd. That's not how you relate to pagan gods. You relate to them in fear and trembling. And if they show up as a shepherd, watch your back because they're trying to trick you. No, our God identifies with us as a humble shepherd. That is remarkable. There's an understanding of God's nearness, of his care, how he guides us day by day, walking and leading. You know that being a shepherd is actually all about the sheep. You're not doing anything else. You're just making sure the sheep eat, that the sheep don't wander into a pit, that the sheep don't get killed by rabid animals. There's a thousand things you do, but they're all about the sheep. Like the God of the universe who created all that is, is actually that concerned with you, day in and day out. And it goes even further because what Jesus told us today in the gospel is that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And in our New Testament, Peter's explaining some of this. And I'm just going to read some of this to you. I don't think I have it on the screens. But it says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died the sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Maybe you've seen the picture of the Caucasian Jesus holding the shepherd, the lamb on his shoulders, walking around with a benevolent benevolent smile on his face. Ah, the good shepherd. No, our picture of the shepherd is actually on the cross. The one who bore the wounds that the sheep earned. The one who not only pulled us out of the pit, but went into the pit and rescued all those who had fallen away. He went in and he entered into our difficulties and he took on him our sins and the wounds of us all. That is the shepherd that I would follow. It reminds me of when my children are first learning to walk. I've used this analogy before. But we often think of God as, you know, uh, the judge who's watching and saying like, oh, a little off. Oh, you messed up there. Oh, I can't believe you didn't get this right. And maybe we get that from our own parents, not pointing any fingers here. There was a couple times my dad had to have that conversation with me. But I do think there's something, there's something real in this connection, as especially you can think of a, a toddler who falls a thousand times. 
Like, if we were holding a toddler to the same standard that we hold ourselves to spiritually, we would just completely lose patience. How dumb are you, one-year-old? You don't even know that a wall isn't meant to be walked into? I mean, I've seen everything with these kids. They will just, like, walk off of a bed and onto the floor. And they'd have no idea. A lot like the sheep. But as a father, was there ever a moment where I got impatient with my son or daughter when they were learning to walk? I can proudly say no. Because you know what? You don't expect a one-year-old to know how to walk. You don't expect a two-year-old to do it all that well. And Reese is going on three, and he's still working it out. There's some things. But there are things that maybe I struggle with having disappointment with my kids, like when they hurt one another. But when it comes to learning how to live and how to walk, there's something in your heart that just has infinite love and patience for them. And that's how God views us. We're just learning this spiritual life. In fact, if we use the Captain America analogy one more time, it's more like that wimpy kid started going to the gym and started working out to bulk up. I know there was physical limitations there, but think about it more like that. The spiritual walk is more like that. How long would it take that wimpy kid to become Captain America? A lifetime. And the same thing for us spiritually. We start as that wimpy little kid. And when you walk with God day by day, it's like moving up from the five-pounders to the 10-pounders to the 15-pounders. When I first went to a gym in high school and they were teaching me how to weightlift, you start with the bar. There's no weight on it. You just start with the bar. That's like us in Christianity. God's like, just read some scriptures. Talk to me every once in a while. He will bring you through that. So when we talk about Lord is my shepherd... It's not just this boring image of a benevolent Jesus holding a lamb. There's so much more than that. And then it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I've made this point before, but it always rings true. Growing up, I honestly thought that that meant the Lord is my shepherd who I don't want. Because I was pretty rebellious as a kid. And I was pretty often coming into conflict with those who were in authority over me. And so that made perfect sense. That's not what it means. It's a lot better than that. Yes, sometimes we rebel against God, and that's dealt with elsewhere in church. But there's something really deep in this. David is praying this over his life. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's not a naive optimist who is delusional, because then he would have prayed, the Lord is my shepherd, I do not want. No, He acknowledges his need. In fact, in the last psalm, he's crying out to God, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's willing to cry out in his need, but he's also going to pray the promises of God over his life. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's holding on to hope that God will fulfill his promises, that God will fulfill the desires of his heart. That's what we do when we pray. We declare the goodness of God over our life. Yes, please, tell God when you're angry, when you're upset. He wants to talk to you. But don't forget to look forward and pray with hope that he will come through. Transform that pain into trust and hope through prayer. So what else does this shepherd do? Well, verse 2, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Now, I love this, right? If you read about sheep, you actually have to make them 
lie down in green pastures. They don't just do it. They will wander into the worst possible place. They are just like that video. That video of that sheep jumping back into the pit, that is not an anomaly. That wasn't the dumb sheep. That was the normal sheep. They're all like that. If you lead them to a river, they will walk into the middle and drown. I'm not kidding you. But our shepherd makes us to lie down in green pastures. And you're crying out, and you're like, God, but I wanted that promotion, but God, I wanted that relationship, but God, I wanted that money, but God, I wanted that car. And God says, no, I'm making you lie down in the green pastures that I prepared for you. We run after things that could lead to our death and destruction without even knowing it. And we're so angry because God puts a roadblock in front of us. I'm not saying that all the time, right? We don't need to walk around being like, oh, I didn't get that. It must be God. Like, there are some times you just needed to be better in order to get the job. But you will never know unless you ask God, God, what is going on in this situation? Is this where you want me to slow down and just be where you've planted me? Or do I need to go out and learn to be better, to do the things that you've called me to do, to be equipped to engage with the world the way you've called me to engage with the world? If you're looking to the shepherd to lead you, then he will lead you. So he leads us beside still waters. I think that there's a place in this where we are so busy in our life, especially in Orange County and modern day, or at least that's what I've heard a thousand times, right? I think it's always been a problem. But I do think that we, with our access to technology and everything else, we feel the weight of our productivity. We have to constantly be accomplishing things. And there's a place where God wants us to just stop by the still waters. And you're going to miss that thing, right? It says, he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Well, if you can't stop and accept and receive what God has for you, you're going to miss that restoration. And you're going to burn out. That's like a common phrase. Everybody knows the phrase burnout right now because our culture has wired us to be such go-getters. I've got to do this. I've got to do that that we're commonly seeing people just completely break down and burn out of things that maybe even God called them to do because they didn't go to the green pastures and the still waters. Look to your shepherd and ask him where he's bringing you. Yes, absolutely. Sometimes he's like, go, do more, do better. That's huge. Abraham, right? We read about that. He was sitting in his father's house. What was he doing? He's 50 years old and he's in his father's house. He hasn't done anything worthy of note at least nothing the bible talks about and then god says go get out of here this isn't the green pastures anymore and he leads him out so yes i don't i want to balance these things is god telling you to stop or is god telling you to go and sometimes it's telling you to stop over here and go over there so just look to the shepherd he is good okay what else does he do He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. That's one of my favorite phrases in this whole psalm, for his name's sake. What does it mean? Well, when God makes a promise in the Bible, it says he swears by his own name because he knows no greater name. What else is he going to swear by? The universe. Well, he made the universe. So he says, I am a guarantee for you. And what is he leading us in? He's leading us in righteousness. When we die with Christ, 
in our baptism, when we are born again as Christians, we have to learn again to relate to the world, to God, to mankind, and to creation. Because we just get it wrong all the time. We're a fallen people. We're infected by sin. And so we abuse creation. We use our fellow man, and we ignore our God. And he has to teach us how to do that. So he has to lead us in paths of righteousness. It's not because he's upset with you for all those bad things you did. No, it's because he wants you to be restored, to go to the still waters, to go to the green pastures, to be able to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But in order to do that, he has to lead you in the path of righteousness. What is righteousness about? Righteousness is not about following the rules. Righteousness is about being positioned in right relationship with God and with mankind and with, I'll just say, reality, right? Because what happens, like this morning when Ruby bit Reese, there was a break in the righteousness of their relationship. (laughs) They felt it. There was a problem. And so I had to take Ruby aside and talk to her, and she had to receive some discipline so that we could restore the rightness of her relationship with her brother. And then I led her back to her brother, and she had to apologize to me as the authority in her life, as a symbol of God's love and father, fatherly authority in her life, and as the real on earth authority in her life. She had to apologize and restore that. And then she had to go and she had to apologize and restore that with Reese. And you know what? Reese had to forgive her. And then guess what? Righteousness was restored, and they could go back to making ice cream together in the little pretend ice cream truck. That's what righteousness is in right relationship. That's so much better than following a list of rules. The rules can help you get there, but they're so much deeper than that. When God leads you in the path of righteousness, he wants prodigal sons returned. He wants broken relationships restored. He wants you to live in a place of joy, in a place of peace, not only with God, but with man, with reality, with everything in our life. And guess what? Just like the puny cats of America, I guess I'm going back to that, you're going to take a lifetime to get to that place. Part of the reason why, this is like totally a side note, part of the reason why you need to be around old people, especially people who've walked this out in their faith, is because they've done the work. Or let me say it differently. God has done the work on them. And it's so important that you aren't just around a bunch of your same people. You need to see people who are further down the path to give you hope and courage, to help you see better than you can where you're at. Okay. Side note. Verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We can really only understand this verse in the context of the crucified God. We can really only understand what this means. Because you know what? At least as a child, and I think I'm still on this journey, it's hard to understand what that means. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. You can get this image in your head that you have, like in these games, like Magic the Gathering or Dungeons and Dragons. You've probably never heard of them. But there's these games where you you take on a role, and you have to go fight the bad guys. And there's these special magical things, like an infinity gauntlet or armor or whatever, that will make you impervious to evil, right? 
And so maybe you think, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because I've got the infinity God on my side and nothing can touch me. Well, that's just not it. Because even that God in Jesus went and got crucified. He didn't have some special armor. God was with him in every moment. There was no thundering between Jesus and God, and yet he died. So when we talk about going through the valley of the shadow of death, what we trust is that we live with a God of resurrection. So that no matter what you experience, no matter what you encounter, he will bring you through to the other side. He will bring restoration to you. And I will fear no evil. You know how I told you that the enemy's only trick is to get you to think that his way is the abundant way? There's a flip side of that trick. And the trick is to get you to think that God's way leads to death and destruction. And that's what fear does. Fear is when you start thinking that the way that God is bringing you is actually going to destroy you. Where you lose sight of the fact that God is a good God who wants to bring you into abundance. It doesn't mean bad things won't happen to you. But it does mean that we can trust the God of resurrection. That we can trust the God who went through it himself in the most graphic way on the cross and came out the other side for the joy that was set before him. And then it says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There's a beautiful picture there of the authority of God is also our protection and our comfort. That's part of why our bishop walks with a crozier, right? He's got that staff. It's a symbol of God's authority that comfort us and direct us. And my uncle, uh, Father Ken, wrote recently something that goes along with this whole value of the shadow of death and the comfort of God. He said, there's more death in resurrection and more resurrection in death than I had seen. And I really love that. There's more death in resurrection and more resurrection in death than I had seen previously. Talking about some experiences he was going through. And there's this idea that we always think, well, God, you can't be leading me there. And he's like, no, there's resurrection there. Or God, you can't save this situation. He's like, no, there's resurrection there. And God, you're bringing me to this glorious place, but why are you asking me to die? Because there's more death in resurrection than you thought. That's when the enemy starts to say, you're in the valley of the shadow of death. The enemy says, look at my green pastures. Look at my still waters. This is what you were promised. Come over here. Don't listen to the lie. Keep your eye on the good shepherd. If he's with you, there's nothing to fear. Like a child, let's run to our father in our pain and in our fear. Not away. And it says in verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I'm just going to say one thing about that. Look at all your enemies, whatever they are, depression, fear, anxiety, financial troubles, and then look for God's provision. It's there. Wherever your enemies are, that's where God's preparing a table before you, right? There's this great prophetic teacher who talks about how he would call his buddy and he would say, man, I've got a problem. And his buddy would say, well, I'm really jealous because that also means you have a provision. Okay, let's keep going. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. This is why it's different than Captain America. Captain America, they needed to give him the ability to go and do all the things. 
In Christianity, we need to give our ability to God and trust him to do all the things through us. Yeah, we've got to do stuff. Yeah, he calls us to go through the valley of the shadow of death. But we have to rely on the anointing of God, the spirit of God. He will use anything you give him. Your intelligence, your strength, your faithfulness, your skill set. He'll use whatever you give him. But you have to give it to him. Okay, we're going to wrap this up quickly. So let's go into the last verse here. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. They were figuring out songs, and I was like, you got to sing the goodness of God this morning. And they were gracious enough to do it. Because that line in there, right? Your goodness is running after me. Once again, we have this image of God as Zeus Almighty striking down his enemies, correcting us, or at the very least as a disappointed father. No. God is running after you for your goodness. Now, C.S. Lewis, love that guy, points out this thing where he says, we're pretty confident, I'm paraphrasing here, in the fact that God will bring about our goodness. We're just really worried about how painful our goodness will be, right? We might be able to trust that God has our best in heart, but we're not very trusting about how painful our best will be. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. David wrote this psalm, right? And you almost can't talk about David without talking to the fact that he slept with one of his best friend's wives and then murdered him. Do you think God's goodness was following him at that point? Yes. Yes. How do I know? Because the prophet came to him and told him, you did it wrong, David. Repent. Come back to God. God didn't give up on David. God went after him. And yes, because he followed the enemy, it led to destruction. Because the thief only comes to kill and to destroy. And the child of that union died. The thief said, you can take what you want. And his best, one of his best friends and the child of his union both died. But God's goodness followed him. And we see repentance in David. And he gets up and he praises the Lord. Because he sees the truth clearly that God, even though he had no right to continue to follow David with goodness, has continued to follow him with goodness. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We just got this house and it's really great. And we're renting it and it's awesome. But there's a deeper truth, and that is that everywhere we go, we get to bring the house of the Lord with us. So when yesterday Haley's like, you know, it's weird to be in a new house. You know, I'm a little uncomfortable. Everything's all over the place. I just said, yeah, but you know what? This is now God's house. We just give it to him. We could go through the valley of the shadow of death in this house. We could. But God will be with us. And we will fear no evil. It's not blind naivete. It's deep trust. But it takes a lifetime to learn. When we're talking about the Lord as a shepherd, I want you to always think, am I walking day by day with my shepherd? Because he's every day wants to teach you, wants to encourage you, wants to lead you. Amen? Amen.
I believe in one God, the Father Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius, who suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of the Father and he shall come again with the Lord to judge the living and the dead whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. From the Father. As a result, we now have access to Him. Therefore, let us go to the Father for our own needs and for those of all humanity. That the church will always glorify God and faithfully proclaim His holy gospel. Lord, in your mercy, hear our our prayer. That the patriarchs, all bishops, priests, and deacons, will hear God's voice and shepherd his people in the ways of the Lord. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That the persecuted church will glorify God in their suffering and lead their captives to repentance through their godly witness. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That world leaders will pursue the path of true peace, which is found only in Jesus. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That we will hear and answer the call of the Holy Spirit on our lives. Lord, in your mercy, that just as Jesus came so that we may have life, we may actively oppose abortion, euthanasia, and any assault on human life and dignity. Lord, in your mercy, that those who are ill will receive their healing and give all glory to God, who is our healer. Lord, in your mercy, Son, Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd. Hear our prayer and give us the grace to faithfully heed his word and to follow him. For he is the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Peace, Lord, be our hopes. I'll get it. No, this is probably the last Sunday. We got one more. Okay. Still have one more chance. Okay. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart, and I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. 
For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution and remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace, consolation of his Holy Spirit. The peace, Lord, be always with you. With your spirit. Turn and reach your neighbor with peace. couple of things in our week coming up. Fire night being first and foremost on that Wednesday night, 7.30. You're going to want to be here. Another night of prayer and worship. Very powerful moments for all those who've had the opportunity to attend. I encourage you all, Wednesday, 7.30, be here for fire night. And then Saturday, women's meeting. There's women's meeting coming up this Saturday, and maybe, what, two weeks after that is the ladies' retreat. So uh, make sure you have those on your calendar. Ladies, expect to see you there, and everybody who can be here Wednesday for fire night. Amen. Amen. As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, Let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together, through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Can't take away 
table of the Lord. It's made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him even more. I think that's all of us. Thank you, Lord. Come, you who have much faith and you who have little. You who've been here often and you who haven't been here long. You who tried to follow and you who failed, you come because it's the Lord who invites you. It's his will that those who want him should meet him here. You come to his table. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. We praise you with greater joy than ever in this Easter season when Christ became our paschal sacrifice. He's the true lamb who took away the sins of the world. By dying, he destroyed death. And by rising, he restored our lives. And so with all the choir of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory. We join in their unending hymn of praise. your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts to make them holy, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we've given up to death the death we freely accepted, who 
took bread, broke it, gave you thanks, and gave it to his disciples. And he said, take eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup again. He gave thanks and praise, and he gave it to the disciples and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. And Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread and this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and to serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our patriarch, Craig, and all of the clergy. Remember all those who are sick or infirmed in spirit, soul, or body. We hold up to stay Susan and Naomi and Sanji and Karen and Tammy and David, Liliana, Sherry and Jonathan, Alfred and Jerry, the Marines and sailors Camp Pendleton, and all those who serve in our armed forces. Also, we hold up Bob. You may add names of those that you're praying. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken. And as we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles and the martyrs and all the saints. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him and with him and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours. Almighty God, Savior, now and forever. Jesus brought us to call God our Father, and we have courage to pray. Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ, our Passover, sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Hallelujah. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us thy peace. The gifts of God for the people of God, take them in remembrance that Christ died for you. And feed on them in your heart with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb.
some of you are rich. It's Easter season. And, uh, man, I hate to think we're going into ordinary times. <laughs> but, you know, in Christ, uh, this is the ordinary. times or into great victories, uh, whether we're on vacation or working way too hard, he's right there in the midst with us. And uh, I think that more than anything, this season has brought a new revelation of that to me. And it's just, uh, it's just easy. It's just easy. accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and sickness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel. Defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell, Satan, all evil spirits who wander through the world seeking the ruin of our souls. Remember the gospel. God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to himself, not counting them sins against them. He loves you. He's forgiven you. He's not mad at you. And he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you. Remain with you always. Amen. Amen.